0: Why did you say you love me? Because I do love you. Ah, you mean platonic love? I've had nothing but platonic love all my life. Do you know what I say? <laughs> Fuck Plato. What's it all about?
1: My chronic
2: Once upon a time, in a faraway land, a young prince lived in a shining castle. One winter's night, an old beggar woman came to the castle and offered him a single rose in return for shelter from the bitter cold. Repulsed by her haggard appearance, the prince sneered at the gift and turned the old woman away. But she warned him not to be deceived by appearances for beauty is found within. And when he dismissed her again, the old woman's ugliness melted away to reveal a beautiful enchantress. The prince tried to apologize, but it was too late, for she had seen that there was no love in his heart. And as punishment, she transformed him into a hideous beast. The rose she had offered was truly an enchanted rose which would bloom until his twenty-first year. If he could learn to love another and earn her love in return by the time the last petal fell, then the spell would be broken. If not, he would be doomed to remain a beast for all time. As the years passed, he fell into despair and lost all hope. For who could ever learn to love a beast?
3: I was thinking about all the different Beauty and Beast stories I've heard, and I realized there are two kinds. In one, the beast is eventually transformed, turned handsome. There's uh, Beauty and the Beast, there's the Frog Prince. Now in the second kind of Beauty and Beast story, there's no transformation. The beast stays a beast. Think Phantom of the Opera, Cyrano, King Kong. Here's what's interesting. In every transformation story, they live happily ever after. In every story where the beast stays a beast, he dies. We don't allow beauty to be defiled. Even in the true beast stories, like My Left Foot or Mask or The Elephant Man, the beast dies young. Beauty correlates not just with youth, but with health. And that goes a long way to explaining why we evolved to be attracted to beauty and repulsed by ugliness. But it's hard news for the unattractive. It means not only do you get less love, you get less life. Last episode, I got to a place of sympathy for the challenges faced by beautiful people. But let's face it, their lot in life is still better than that of the ugly. Yes, beautiful people want to be seen and acknowledged as whole human beings, but everyone wants that. Beautiful people at least get affirmed for something. Ugly people are rejected for artifice reasons. You can tell them, us, it's what's inside that counts, but the world says different. I'm Daniel Kaufman. Welcome to the Myoclonic Jerk Podcast. This is a companion piece to the last episode on beauty, so if you haven't heard that one yet, please stop and listen to that first. What follows will make a lot more sense. This time we're going to look at the beast side of things. Comedian Jesse Case drops in to share a humiliating story for our amusement. We'll be hearing from everyone we spoke with last time, Playboy Party Girl Susie McCoppin and the other beauties, including Ryan Ridley. We'll talk with therapist of the beautiful Segit Schwartz. We'll hear a poem written by a cockroach. We'll meet a dog-faced detective and finally blow the lid on the ugly duckling. And much more. any actual beasts, but we all have experiences that make us feel like a beast sometimes. Recently, I was out with my friend, comedian Jesse Case, and something happened to him that I knew had to go on the show.
4: I despise when I'm out in public and I smell someone that stinks because I know that I look more like it's me.
3: (laughs) So you don't want to get blamed?
4: I will always get blamed. I look unhygienic. Now, I am very hygienic but I look extremely unhygienic.
3: You're uh, you're a little disheveled. You're not very shoveled.
4: You don't find me shoveled?
3: Would you agree with that? Your hair's a little messy. Your coat's a few sizes too big. It's part of your aesthetic. Look,
4: at the, my shoes are great. Immacu- yeah, you've got shiny immacu- shoes. Immaculate, immaculate shoes. I'm well, look.
3: everything's baggy. Maybe that's...
4: Look, man, disheveled is the wrong... Why are people scared of you? Some people.
3: <laughs> you said it's like a thing out in the world. It's, it's always... a
4: thing that I notice, but I think I'm particularly sensitive to things. Um... No, I think
3: you're right on the money with this one. <laughs> I find you intimidating. Uh, really? Sure, in the beginning before I got to know you. You think so? You seem like a hoodlum. Wow. If I you... was a shopkeeper and you, <laughs> and
4: you and came you were, in, you I'd were, keep my eye on you. If you were a
3: cobbler. <laughs> Any kind of tradesman, I would just uh. keep my eye. If there's anything that could be put in a big baggy coat pocket. I
4: you know, sometimes people will cross the street when I'm walking down the street. <laughs> like if they have kids,
3: I see the arm yank where they'll whip their kid to the other side of them. Because I want to make it clear to everyone that you're not... We're doing a beast episode, and there could be an implicit insult to me just asking you to come in here and talk.
4: I mean, I'm not going to say I'm okay with it. That story, not my fault, and now you invited me to relive...
3: (laughs) I'm putting salt on your wound, kind of... Absolutely! Well, I'm sorry, but you know how it is. We're artists, we gotta...
4: No, it has to be exploited. be damned. I do make a living off exploiting my terrible feelings.
3: But you're not a beast, you're you're a fine-looking young man. Well, you know... You kind of look like a tough guy. You're
4: right, I can't debate that I am sort of intimidating. I just really, really hate that that's the case. It's not me. I what don't do you want, think
3: it is about you then?
4: I don't know. I sort of have a caveman brow. So it creates these shadows in, in my eyes.
3: Oh, you just a strong brow? I've got a
4: very pronounced brow. Okay. You'd say like Mo from The Simpsons. How tall are you? 6'2".
3: Okay, so you're a big
4: guy. But at times, I'll be extremely clean cut, and I'll be wearing a suit. And it's the same deal, man. I don't know what causes that. I mean, I think my relaxed face just looks unhappy. It looks mean or frustrated about something.
3: Well, you maybe are a little frustrated. You're not a sunny guy. I find you charming.
4: Look, it's going to be a vicious cycle because if people keep saying that, then, yeah, I'm going to be depressed. (laughs) So, I mean, I think you might be contributing to my lack of sunniness here. Oh, no. You know? I don't want to do that. I don't have any tattoos. I don't have any piercings. Right. My hair length does not matter, I promise. It's been every length.
3: Because your hair's a little crazy. My hair just is crazy.
4: I have crazy hair. Which, by the way, like
3: I'm fine with the way you look. I'm just saying if you were trying to fight against the scary factor, I'd say no hat, wear lighter color you're wearing a black coat slimming <laughs> you don't He's need black you're, not slimming. Fat. you're not big so you say lose the hat if that from... casts a shadow over your face that makes you a little more scary why are you a hat guy take
4: a poll from the listeners disheveled or not intimidating okay. or not because i
3: i really <laughs> disheveled I'm, or not.com not. it'll be the new thing i've been a vegetarian for
4: 12 years right uh i studied buddhism I, very... you don't look like that guy what guy do i look
3: like i don't you look like uh, if i need some drugs i would ask you
4: I don't know, man. I mean, 24 years of tedious social evolution have gone into making me who I am. I don't know the root of this. I don't know at some point when I was three, something happened that made me feel the need (laughs) to protect myself and walk like, don't mess with me or whatever. That's not how I feel. I've never
3: been in a fight. Who's going to fight with you? You look like you'd kill him. As soon as... No,
4: I look like I'd kill you. <laughs> you're particularly small and nebbish.
3: Wait, do you feel just because I am being very rude and insulting to you that that is a two-way street? This is my house, my friend. <laughs> okay, well, let's tell the people the story.
4: Well, I mean, you were very involved in this story because you're the person I was waiting on. Right. The whole thing might have happened because of you. Was I late? Yeah.
3: So you're saying everything that follows is really on my head.
4: Yeah. So we're going to the arc Light to see the social network. I show up before you because you do not follow the 15-minute prior to movie time show-up rule. Let's not get bogged down in that. I don't (laughs) want to get bogged down in it, but you say it's assigned seating at the Arclight. It doesn't matter. I don't say say it. It's a fact. It is a fact, but it's an opinion whether or not it matters. Point is, we had 7.45 tickets, so I show up at 7.30 like a good friend. This gives me about a 12-minute window before you show up, and I've got nothing to do. So there's a pavilion in front of the movie theater, and then buildings, one being the arc light, the other being a 24-hour fitness, go up on either side of the pavilion. It feels like you're in a canyon. And I can see how someone could feel trapped in the pavilion. Claustrophobic. Okay. Dan, I'm standing there. I don't feel that I look threatening in any way. Right. I have my coat on, which some could construe as being a little bulky, but I feel seasonal. <laughs> I think appropriate. It's a chilly night. Very chilly night. And I'm also wearing my hat. Now, it's a trucker cap. Right. And it features a cassette tape and crossbones. What do you mean? The logo on front. It's like the Jolly Roger, okay. like a skull, and, a skull crossbones, and crossbones, but it's a cassette tape instead of...
3: Where the skull would be. Yes. And the holes of the cassette tape are like, like the, the eyes and the skull. Sure. I
4: think it's a cool hat. It's a cool image. Right. I think it says something. I think what does it say? The point of the logo was originally in the 80s, home taping is killing music,
3: uh-huh.
4: was the slogan...
3: So this has a history. This, Absolutely, yeah. It started in England. It was when,
4: it when cassette tapes first came out, that was kind of like the first Napster.
3: Boy, they had no idea.
4: Right. Because for the first time, people could actually just go over to a friend's house right. and record a cassette tape from their so vinyl albums. So it was kind albums. of a
3: protest symbol. It was saying, down with cassette tapes. Oh. Yeah, it
4: was from the record industry. Like, home taping death. is killing music.
3: It was record industry propaganda, basically.
4: Sort of. I mean, well, it was hurting the economy a little in England. So it, I think it was British government propaganda. Huh. Anyway, I like the hat. It's a nice brown hat, and the logo is in the nice metallic gold, which I think classes it up a little. You <laughs> sure. know?
3: Yeah. I do! As I've always trucker hats go, it's on the classy end of the spectrum. <laughs> sure.
4: So I'm walking around, trying to find a cup of coffee, and everyone's bustling about. People are excited to see Harry Potter in the other theater. There's people with broomsticks, wizard and witch hats. Really? Yeah. I because, didn't see that. Yeah, you showed up after it sat, because you don't follow the 15-minute rule. You missed all kinds of action. <laughs> so... So I'm not there. People are bustling in and out. Everyone's minding their own business. I don't feel like I stick out like a sore thumb. But I notice that there is one girl standing all the way across the pavilion. Right. And she's staring at me, terrified. Terrified. She looks like I'm a specter. You're Uh, far away from her. I'm far away from her.
3: You haven't looked at her or approached her? or No. But somehow you pick up that she's reacting to you.
4: I'm pretty aware of my surroundings. Okay. So I see her and I look at her for just a second and sort of turn my head slightly to the side. You got a then, problem? <laughs> no, not you have a problem, but just a little confused. Okay. She's probably 23, 24, really good looking. In the girl next doorway, right? we briefly lock eyes and she sort of does a, almost a shudder. <laughs> when we lock eyes and she's I'd say 20 yards away from me so I just continue trying to look as non-threatening as I can but she's looking at me and she's really scared now at first I think perhaps she's scared of something else maybe she's a crazy lady
3: you we're in Hollywood just looked at her I just you looked, looked at her it. admiringly but your tongue wasn't out you didn't have your hands in your pockets
4: No, and and I only noticed that she was good looking when I noticed that she was looking at me scared. And I take out my phone and pretend to look busy. That's when I called you to ask where you were. Okay. I got to be here with no wingman to justify that I'm not a complete lone gunman
3: you're getting all in your head as a result of her being scared you're starting to feel guilty absolutely because i could just see you saying well she's a loon it's not my job to reassure her
4: yeah for some reason i did i felt like i wanted to reassure her i would just sort of continue trying to look non-threatening and the way i look non-threatening i sort of drop my shoulders a little i try to raise my eyebrows because i think it makes me look a little more (laughs) like a puppy right this is something practiced in front of the mirror a lot
3: Lightens the mood.
5: It
4: lightens the mood a little. Hmm. It makes me look like I'm up for anything. There's no manifesto in my pocket. Okay. So I see the woman and she's still looking at me, so scared. Even though you've raised your eyebrows. I've done my eyebrow move. I'm <laughs> out of options. That's
3: your big guns.
4: Absolutely. Then she's sort of looking around, like, for an exit strategy. Her eyes are darting back and forth. She's gripping her phone very tightly. And I'm thinking, this is really weird. So I just take out a cigarette and light it. Because that implies that I'm not about to go inside, okay She's standing sort of inside the door is open to let people in and out.
3: She's indoors, you're outdoors, and she's looking at you terrified.
4: Yes. I feel like she's about to bolt. and just as I'm about to bolt out of my own awkwardness, this guy, very good looking, yeah, I'd say six five, nice jaw, tan, a chin dimple. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, that's big. He walks up to her and he says, "Hey, Marisa," And she goes, "Blake." oh, thank God, and sort of grabs his arm a little. And I realize he's wearing my hat. He has my exact hat on. The
3: skull and crossbones He's wearing cassette.
4: the skull cassette crossbones hat. <laughs> and it occurs to me that she thought I was her blind date this whole time. That
3: guy was her blind date.
4: That guy was her blind date because they just introduced themselves to one right. another. And the way she said, oh, thank God, and then looked back at me. a complete fucking bummer. And I didn't yeah, ask for that. I didn't no. ask to walk into that. You
3: were just standing there minding your own business.
4: I'm just minding my own business. It's not my fault I look like some other girl's blind date that happens <laughs> to be more attractive. She was terrified at just the prospect of... That it could be me. <laughs> right. This wasn't an arranged marriage situation.
3: Just a night out with you.
4: Fuck that, man. What a <laughs> bummer. And his name's Blake, as if I'm not cooler than a guy named Blake. Can you think of a, a Blake I that you like? was just
3: running through my head trying no. to like, I think of Blake well, Edwards. Well,
4: it's a futile endeavor, let me tell you. If Jesus' name was Blake,
3: Christianity would not exist, because 12 <laughs> people would not follow a fucking guy named Blake. Is it possible you just made up this whole anti-Blake line as a result of getting your feelings hurt that night? Absolutely.
4: I didn't have the theory. Before. <laughs> Beforehand, I was completely indifferent to Blake's. Um, but most things that just cripple my esteem took some effort from me. Right. <laughs>
3: you were just standing there. I was just standing waiting there. Waiting to see a movie with another guy. You're not ha- sticking your neck out this night. I was sticking my neck in. I was the turtle. Thing. Right. I just did nothing. <laughs> and my
4: whole night was ruined.
3: That's a bummer. <laughs> so can we even imagine what it was like from her side? Right. They couldn't have met online.
4: No. They, I mean, obviously they didn't meet online. It was, it, was a, it, was it was a setup. It was a setup.
3: They talked on the phone. He said, I'm going to wear this hat. He describes it to her. She's like, oh, that sounds cute.
4: Yeah. And then but, she's
3: waiting. She's got this picture of the hat firmly in her mind. And, and you know then what? you walk in.
4: He was obviously late, but I probably saved his ass because the relief. She, oh. she would have been upset at him otherwise because it was a good 10 minutes.
3: He also, I guess, hadn't heard about the 15-minute rule. Maybe you and him should go out. <laughs> you uh, and I he could do go worse, out. it sounds like.
4: Um, and did. <laughs> but <laughs> apparently she would have rather he stood her up. She would have rather had no date than a date with me. I was there. I was ready. I I would have gone out with her, you know, in a heartbeat. Not now, of course. You'd still go out with her. Yeah, you're right.
6: Bring to life in one's mind. The beautiful ones always smash the picture. Always, every time.
3: Wow, do you get the sense? Prince maybe got his feelings hurt a few times before he became prince? Once in my early 20s, I went to a nightclub with my friend Cristo. We were both shy guys, so we made a deal that we'd each force ourselves to approach at least 10 women and ask them to dance. And we did it. And between the two of us, we very quickly collected 20 no thanks, and our night was over early. The female to male ratio in that place was at least 2 to 1, but all these women preferred to just stand around rather than have a dance with either of us. We joked about it then, but it hurt. But in fairness, you go to a nightclub with a fantasy. Our fantasy was not just to dance and have fun. Our fantasy was sex with an attractive woman. I'm not sure what their fantasy was, but it wasn't short, nervous, and awkward. This is a problem with beauty. It's too wide a net. Or, to change the form, you prepare a delicious picnic for your lover, but then here come the ants, then the bees and the flies, maybe even a bear. Everyone wants beauty. If you're beautiful, you attract the ones you want, but also the beasts. Then the beasts have to be rejected. And What does that do to them? There are a lot of lonely people in the world, and part of it is because so many of us are holding out for better than we are. We want someone gorgeous, like the people that we see on TV. Cristo and I could have gotten a dance that night, but we were aiming high. We also preferred nothing to giving up our fantasies, and so we went home alone. How much love have you missed because the person offering it, some part of their face or body, was the wrong shape In the Beauty and the Beast stories, the Beast never says, Damn this shallow world that only looks at surface. The Beast doesn't hate superficiality. He just hates himself. He shares the values that make him an outcast. But at least he's not a hypocrite like me. When I talked to therapist Sagete Schwartz, I told her a little story. One summer I lived in this dump, and my view out the window was this beautiful building. I said, well, that's interesting. I'm sitting in this dump but I have this lovely view. And the people in that beautiful building (laughs) have the view of my ugly building. And I'm like, which is better? It's interesting. And so it made me want to ask the women I talked to, if someone said, I'm going to wave a magic wand, you can have one of two things. You can be beautiful yourself and you'll be wet your whole life with someone unattractive or you can be the unattractive one, but you'll get to possess someone beautiful in your life. And what do you think? All the women had the same answer and the one man had the opposite answer.
7: I have no idea. J.C. Coakley. If you could choose only one oh, God.
3: to keep your beauty and marry someone ugly or to become ugly and marry someone beautiful. Keep my beauty and marry someone ugly. I date ugly people anyway.
8: Really? Yeah. I've mm, never.
3: Interesting. You don't have a chance, but <laughs>
8: what? the rest of the world does. I've never in my life dated anybody attractive.
3: Not but because once. you want to be the beautiful one.
8: I want to be the one that shines, of course. And so the
3: uglier your guy, the hotter you look.
8: And they're usually 20 times more interesting.
3: I mean, in this town, you see it all the time. You see accomplished men. They're smart. They're interesting. And they've got bimbo wives and girlfriends, right? 20 years younger. They can't be having good conversations, right? No, but But I don't think But you don't see it the other way around.
8: No. I try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Some of those models aren't that terrible.
3: I'm sure. But I'm just saying, when you see it over and over again, you start to think guys care a lot about beauty and maybe women don't care. Sure.
8: I mean, it makes men feel good, whereas we are sparked more by intellect and... That's what gives us our quote-unquote boner.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for men, there's this status thing to having the person next to you be just hot.
8: Yeah, it's your puff of chest.
3: But not for women. For yeah. women, the status is still for them being the hot one. Always. Susie McCopin and Melissa Lefton. Would you rather you can be with a gorgeous guy for the rest of your life and you're ugly or vice versa?
8: Definitely, vice versa.
3: You want to be the gorgeous one. Absolutely.
7: I think therein is absolutely. This
9: is more of a female. See,
3: I would be the ugly one with the. Of course, because yeah. yes, you're a man. Absolutely,
9: it's more of a female need to be beheld. Yes. And you feel yourself in the eyes of the other person. You yes. Know? And then for a man, absolutely, it's you are an object to me. You right.
8: Are. Yeah. A man is aroused by the curvature of a woman's breast. A woman is aroused by a man being aroused by
3: the curvature uh-huh. of her breast. So you see the guy's aroused on that, and it just becomes this feedback loop. That yes,
9: absolutely, totally. yeah. And that's why being in a long relationship is less appealing to both sexes, because mm. for the guy, I've seen this shit a million times, and for the girl, it's <laughs> like, oh, I. Oh, it ebbs seen... for the guy and then yeah, it ebbs for the, the girl. Woman. Goes, I know you've seen this shit a million times.
3: Emma, let's say I could come and wave a magic wand and say, all right, for the rest of your life, you're either going to be beautiful with an ugly man or ugly with a beautiful man. Which would you choose?
0: I would choose A. To be beautiful? With an ugly man. (laughs) (laughs) Now, why would you make
3: that choice?
9: Because if I was ugly and I had a beautiful man, I don't think I'd ever trust him. (laughs) I'd be like, why are you looking at that beautiful woman? You want her, not me. Uh I think it would be more
7: pressure.
3: It'd make you feel too insecure.
7: Yeah.
3: Ryan Ridley. So how about this scenario? You can either be with someone gorgeous for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. and you're ugly, or you're gorgeous with someone ugly. Take No, I don't need the time. No, I didn't I, think you did. She's got to be hot. What do you think every woman I asked that question to said? Let me guess. The opposite. The
5: opposite. Yeah.
3: What do you think that means, Ryan? It means that women are liars. <laughs> All the women chose to be the beautiful one, and the man chose the opposite, and that's what I choose. Since I already am an average-looking guy, it doesn't feel that far for me to go. I've developed all these other skills, and I'd rather have someone else be beautiful. Mm -hmm. But the women, it wasn't something even to think about. All of them said they couldn't give up their beauty.
7: And that's what's so challenging about the aging process, if you are a beautiful woman, because it becomes... You're going to lose it anyway. ...such a core part of your identity, and... If I don't have that, then who am I? And what is my purpose? Mm -hmm. That is a true existential crisis. And I think
3: average-looking people, we talk about that moment with a little bit of schadenfreude, like, yeah, well, you think you're on top now, but at some point you're going to lose all your looks, and then where will you be? You say the same thing, but in a very sympathetic, loving way, and we say it in this way, like, yeah, you're going to get taken down a peg.
7: I think that part of wanting to see a person's demise is because we are all suffering, and we want to know that other people suffer too. Yeah. Most of how we think is trying to make ourselves feel better. right And wanting to see the king topple down, it's because we all feel toppled down at times.
3: Oh, so what we usually would characterize as bitterness. Um...
7: It's actually a pull towards human connectedness.. I just won't.
3: Randy Newman. Actually, I'm going to give you another little bit of Randy Newman, but first, let's just have another minute with Playboy Party Girl Susie McCoppin and her friend Melissa Lefton.
8: You're hit on a lot, right? Yes. Is it all good? Or... Well, it's not under the umbrella of I'm cursed as a beautiful woman. I'm cursed in the sense that I crave being perceived as beautiful so much because I always have an abundance of inappropriate weirdos that have my number and uh-huh. my address and have access to me.
3: Of which I'm only the latest. <laughs> What about the other way around? Do you feel like you sometimes intimidate some guys who might be nice guys you might want to know, but they're like, oh, she's so hot, I can't even talk to her? No,
8: (laughs) because there was a great cartoon that really communicates this. There was a gorgeous woman, like a 10, looking in the mirror, and the reflection she saw back was this bloated, hairy beast, right? Uh And then the man, it was the reverse. He was this skinny, unattractive, like whatever. And then he saw Brad Pitt in the mirror. I don't think that men do math when they approach a woman. I don't think they think, I'm a three, she's a 10. Right. I can't do that.
3: Which means you feel like you're approached by a lot of guys who you yeah, think have no all, business all the time, approaching all the time. you. And
8: then also because I have a very accessible and I can uh-huh. talk to people, they think they have more of a
3: shot. But there's this part of you that's like, get away from me. You have no yeah, business. please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where do you get off thinking you could talk to me? Look at me and look at you. Not talk to me. Right. But yeah. think you have a shot. Yeah, like try to French right. me. But it's interesting because this town is full of that uneven pairing.
8: Absolutely.
3: And it. It's always because of
8: power right. and money.
9: Power is just as much of a currency as beauty.
3: Okay, on that note, here's a scene from another Randy Newman song. The Carl he's addressing in it is Karl Marx. And the title of the song is The World Isn't Fair. Carl,
0: I recently stumbled. To a new family With two little children in school Where all little children should be now I went to the orientation All the young mommies were there Carl, you never have seen Such a glorious sight Is these beautiful much like me men, to see Were you to kiss one car a prince would there be in real
3: life beasts do sometimes win beauties it gives me hope this is another pattern of all the beauty and beast stories beauty is always a woman and the beast is always a man Even in the true stories, or at least the ones that are chosen to be made into movies, we can't handle a female beast. We can't sympathize with ugly women. At least our storytellers don't think so. They made a gender reversal version of Cyrano. It's called The Truth About Cats and Dogs. But in the roles of Christiane and Cyrano, instead of a beautiful man and an ugly man, they did it with a beautiful woman and a cute woman. So it made no sense. Hollywood does that a lot. When they need an ugly heroine in a movie, they take a pretty woman and put glasses on her. No offense to Siegel and Schuster, but glasses don't change a face that much. Villains can be actually ugly. You see a bald guy in a movie, and it's a good bet he's a bad guy or an idiot. And really, if you look at movies like this, there are so many Beauty and the Beast stories. They're not just about good versus evil, they're about beauty versus ugliness. And we're just waiting in suspense to see the good-looking guy shoot the ugly guy. But I feel like our storytellers could give us a little more credit. I love ugly faces. They're interesting. I'd much rather look at a random sampling of what you'd find on a city bus than the blandly good-looking cast of just about any TV show. Why does Wally Shawn always have to play a buffoon? He's a cool guy. He's smart. He writes plays and essays. But the world knows him by one word. Inconceivable! I wish they'd make one movie where they cast Wally Shawn as the hero.
1: My life is not bad. I wish a pretty woman could dance with me without feeling virtuous, but I guess when you have a dog face, you don't complain about any kindness that comes your way. I once had a teacher who said the Dick Tracy comic was insidious because all the villains were disfigured. You know, flat top and prune face and all them. She said it was wrong to think people who look different are bad. She talked about movies that played on our fears of things that are different and made them worse. She was careful not to look at me and no one else in the class did either, but I felt like they were all thinking about me. I felt like Miss Lacey was trying to tell me and everybody that I was okay. It just made me embarrassed, though. I felt my cheeks flush, but of course no one could tell. Her heart was in the right place, but she might as well have told people to take snakes to the prom. It's only natural that people feel a little weird around freaks. I do. And that's why Dick Tracy made sense in a way. Look, when nature sets you outside and people keep you there, it has an effect. It's not just that you get bitter, though you do. You start to feel outside. Outside everything. Not just outside normal appearances and experiences. You feel outside morality. Like the rules don't apply to you. If I'm not a man, why should I be governed by man's values? That's not something I thought up. It's just how I felt. I was a bad guy. I could have grown up into a Dick Tracy villain if I hadn't gotten turned around, but I did. I got turned around so far that now I catch bad guys. Don't worry, I can't smell your weed and I wouldn't care if I could. I'm homicide, not vice. Yeah, yeah, McGruff, Officer Jojo, Turner and Hooch all in one. Hey, I can take a joke, but try to come up with one I haven't heard a hundred times already. Otherwise, let me live my dime store pulp life in peace. I am Abraham Moton, dog-faced detective.
6: Are you unhappy? Would you like me to tell you a special story? You would? There once was an ugly duckling With feathers all stubby and brown And the other birds in so many words say... Get out of town. Get out. Get out. Get out of town. And he went with a quack and a waddle and a quack in a flurry of eiderdown down. All through the winter time, he hid himself away, ashamed to show his face, afraid of what others might say. All through the winter, in his lonely clump of weed, till a flock of swans spied him there, and very soon agreed, you're a very fine swan indeed. A swan? Me a swan? Go on. He said, yes, you're a swan. Take a look at yourself in the lake, and you'll see. And he looked, and he saw, and he said, I am a swan. Whee! I'm not such an ugly duckling, no feathers, all stubby and brown, for in fact these birds in so many words said, the best in town, the best, the best, the best in town. Not a quack, not a quack, not a waddle or a quack, but a glide and a whistle and a snowy wide back. And a head so noble and a Say, who's an ugly duckling? Not I.
0: Not I.
6: <laughs> so, you see, Lars, it shouldn't make any difference if they make fun of you and won't play with you.
0: But it does. I want to play with them. But they make fun of me just because I was sick and the doctor shaved my head.
6: Yes, but look at what happened to the ugly duckling. And that didn't matter, did it? Huh? One day soon, you'll look in the mirror, oh, much sooner than you think. And your hair will all be grown out. And then, oh my, you'll be just like the ugly duckling. You'll be better than any of them, I promise. Are you sure, Hans? Very
3: sure. I've always had a problem with the ugly duckling story, and I remember once telling this to a woman and she's like, you dope. That's a metaphor for the awkwardness of adolescence. But on a literal level, it's a story about this dog who's ugly and everyone is mean to. And then the happy ending is that it turns beautiful. And I think that's a lousy lesson for kids. Instead of learning to love itself, it just transforms into something else.
7: Well, about half of the beautiful women that I've seen in my practice, actresses and models, really did have the experience of being awkward and gawky and then transformed. And their experiences were not happy because it is a shock to get used to moving around the world a certain way where people don't look at you or make fun of you to suddenly being this peacock, and you're not prepared for it. You don't have the social skills, Uh the emotional wherewithal to mitigate all of this attention. With gastric bypass surgery, Mm -hmm. a lot of people who go through it after there's a phenomenon called transfer addiction, where some people become sex addicts or drug addicts or alcoholics. They're ill-prepared for this new body that they're in.
3: So your objection with it is not so much like mine, which is it's a bad lesson. Your objection is just it's not accurate. (laughs) It's not an accurate representation (laughs) of the awkward person who becomes a beautiful person. That's not a happy ending in your experience.
7: Well, it can be, but it's a road. It's not all of a sudden butterflies and a choir singing. It's a road.
3: Christy Korczak is one of those modest people who likes to pretend she's not even aware that she's beautiful. But she spent a little time as a beast, and it taught her a few things about herself.
9: The summer between my freshman year and sophomore year of college, I tried a mango for the first time and woke up the next day, and my lips were very swollen. By the end of the day, I had bumps across my lips. By the next day, it had scabbed over so that I had like a third degree burn across my whole mouth. If I smiled, my mouth would crack and bleed. My mouth was pretty much sealed shut with black, oozing, horrible, (laughs) horribleness. (laughs) And I was very aware that I might be a little vain (laughs) because I did not want to go out in public. I felt very ashamed. I walked with my head low and was mad at myself for being so vain. We're visiting family, and there were certain things I didn't want to do because I didn't want anyone to see me. It hurt so bad, but the thing that hurt more was that I was ugly. (laughs) It was a good learning experience because you hear what I do. It's so (laughs) weird to even admit that, yeah, I'm beautiful. So so
3: being ugly made you realize you were actually beautiful.
9: Kind of, but you not only know that you're beautiful, (laughs) but you do use it in a way. Uh That was the smack in the face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then a friend of ours sent me to their dermatologist, and he was like, Have you been to this random place in the world? And I was like, Mm-mm. And he's like, Did you eat and peel a mango? And I was like, mm. And <laughs> he gave me cream, and uh-huh. it slowly cleared up. And uh, that mango was delicious. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't eat mango. I can't.
3: I'm going to eat a mango today. Oh, rub it in. you remember how good it was? Yes. (laughs) I was just like, I'm going to eat mango all the time. Maybe you should once a year just have a mango and pick a month that you don't have to be
9: gorgeous. (laughs) Just to remind myself.
3: No, just to have a mango. Can't you give up being gorgeous for a week once in a while?
9: No, I can't. Why not? Because I like (laughs) being beautiful.
3: (laughs) We're making a lot of progress. I'm
9: going to sound like such a horrible person. No.
3: There was a writer named Don Marquis, who in the 1920s and 30s wrote uh, in various New York newspapers a column that had poetry in it. Can you imagine that? And he had a cast of characters, the star of which was a poet reincarnated as a cockroach named Archie, who would jump up and down on the keys of his typewriter to write his free verse. I asked comedian and actor Nick Vaderot to read one of my favorite Archie poems.
5: The Hen and the Oriole. Well, boss, did it ever strike you that a hen regrets it just as much when they wring her neck as an oriole? Nobody has any sympathy for a hen because she is not beautiful. Well, everyone gets sentimental over the oriole and says how shocking to kill the lovely thing. This thought comes to my mind because of the earnest endeavor of a gentleman to squash me yesterday afternoon when I was riding up in the elevator. If I had been a butterfly, he would have said, How did that beautiful thing happen to find its way into these grimy city streets? Do not harm the splendid creature, but let it fly back to its rural haunts again. Beauty always gets the best of it. Be beautiful, boss. The thing of beauty is a joy forever. Be handsome, boss, and let who will be clever is the sad advice of your ugly little friend Archie.
0: Oh, my Christ. Forgive me for being light and vain and loving you only because you were handsome. For now I love you for yourself.
6: Roxanne.
0: How you must have suffered, for you saw how frivolous I was.
2: All this for a few absurd love letters?
0: Hush, absurd. Every page was like a petal fallen from your soul. Like the light and the fire of a great love.
2: I want no love like this. I want love only for...
0: Only for what every woman sees in you. If you were less
2: handsome,
0: unattractive, ugly even, I should love you still. You mean that? I do mean that. What is it?
6: Nothing, only Cyrano. He has something to tell you.
2: What is it? She does not love me. You think not? She loves you. No. She loves only my soul. No. Yes. That means you. And you love her. I? I see. I know. Yes. Tell her so. No. Why not? Why? Look
3: at me. So I have this prejudice in favor of the ugly. And some might say it's encouraged by our literature. Stories like Cyrano. Ugly writers romanticizing themselves. Making themselves heroes. I mean, you can tell that Cyrano was written by a writer. But don't you see, if you say that literature prejudices us against the beautiful, then you're admitting that literature is made by the ugly. Which kind of supports my case. Last episode, I offered the idea that beauty can be bad for you. Well, doesn't that suggest that ugliness can be good for you? If beautiful people can be tempted to coast on their looks and turn out dim or mean, then doesn't it make sense to imagine unattractive people will do better? Shouldn't expecting parents hope for their children to be ugly? Sometimes I fantasize having a deformed child. At a certain age, maybe after she was upset by some cruel treatment at school, I'd take her to a gym full of bodybuilders. I'd say, Look at those men. Look at how big their muscles are. They didn't start that way. I'd point out one, bench pressing a great weight, his shiny skin pulled tight around massive arms. See that, I'd say. Their strength comes from the weight. Life has given you more weight than most, but if you bear up under it, you will get stronger. It will get easier, and you'll be tougher than anyone. Well, it's that time again. Time to talk to my handsome roommate, writer, actor, star of the Grandma's Virginity podcast, Ryan Ridley.
5: Name one way in which my perceived attractiveness has corrupted me. Well, you're a selfish jerk. But I would have been that way if I had... How would I know? (laughs) A humpback. (laughs) No, you'd be much nicer. (laughs) I would have been like Shrek. (laughs) I would have turned into a a lonely old monster. I'd become mean and surly and live in the middle of the woods.
3: Yeah, no, it can work both ways. Just in the same way there's sort of a stereotype about beautiful women being spoiled. I think there's that stereotype about rich kids, you know, who just grow up having everything handed to them mm-hmm. and then they don't have character. So your point about ugly people can end up horrible too. There used to be a lot of literature about poverty that romanticized it. The idea being that adversity creates good character. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I read this interesting thing from Kurt Vonnegut where he said poverty is not ennobling. Poverty brings you down. It can be crushing and it can make you mean. And uh, I will
5: say that being as broke as I was, I definitely felt more selfish, and as you can attest to, meaner. Yeah, but I think it's
3: just because you're inherently a (laughs) jerk.
5: First (laughs) of all, if you want to talk about me, I've always felt like both male characters in the Cyrano Bergerac. How so, Ryan? Well, if I remember from the 1987 Steve Martin movie, Roxanne.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you think you're the total package. You're the best of all worlds, is what you're saying. No, I say often have felt that way. You've often felt that you have the beauty of Christian and the wit and soul of Cyrano.
5: Well, look. You've often felt that you're just perfect.
3: <laughs> sure, you can spin it all you want. <laughs> well, the what fact, are you saying? The matter isn't... Were you saying oh, you no, often no, felt right, as ugly saying, as yeah. Cyrano and as dumb as Christian? Were you doing it that way? No,
5: of course not. No. <laughs> I didn't think... Maybe I mean it more alternately. Honestly, no, that's what I meant. Whew, there's a good save. I don't think of myself as, oh, I can just be like Christian or yeah. whoever the actor was in Roxanne. <laughs> <laughs> so his name was Chris in the movie Probably, Roxanne. Yeah. And there's these times when I just never say anything smart or funny or interesting. And Although that would be a nightmare. What? I'd much rather be Cyrano if I had to choose.
3: You'd rather be the witty guy than the handsome yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah, of yeah. course, yeah. Uh, we were off mic, but Ryan, uh, we went to a party last night, and evidently <laughs> there were a lot of beautiful women uh, hitting on Ryan. Uh, the whole
5: point of bringing that up was, have you ever had a woman
3: say that to you? No, Ryan, I haven't. <laughs> That's my whole point. <laughs> you son of a bitch. That's not how it is for most people. Yeah, nice. You no, know, my experiences at most parties, I flit around and I'm very sociable. And I talk to everyone and I run into a million dead
5: ends. It, that's how it is with me, too. You know, I don't usually go to parties and have a bunch of girls at me. It's yes, not... you
9: do, Ryan. No, I
5: don't. It's only because last night I was with a girl and I didn't care. Honestly, I've had women come up to me because they were interested and within a few minutes, they're gone and they're turned blow off it. because I've blown it. I've said something stupid. I wasn't really in the right headspace.
3: But you need both. You say like, when I'm good looking and not cool, I don't get a woman. But you know what? When you're cool and not good looking, you also don't get a woman. <laughs> Does there sound like there's some bitterness in my voice? You get plenty
5: of women, though. You're- it's a lot of hard work, though. A lot of hard work, dude. I, I got I, I get, get rejected a lot, though, too. Dude, give me a break. Every. If I had single your
3: face and this personality, witness
5: personality, man, I would be swimming in it. Every single girl that you go out with, you always end the date making out.
3: No, there were several dates where I'm like, I'd like to see her again, and she just blows me off. Dude, I'm gonna off. start
5: keeping a chart. I'm gonna keep data. I'm Uncomfortable with this. Oh yeah, you don't like it when it's turned on you. Well,
3: I'm just sort of thinking of people listening Women to this. Listen, okay, and yeah. Being, uh, you know,
5: turned off. Well, I'm Mr. Poonhound. Why don't you call this the Poon Dog Podcast? <laughs> they great. It's called the Poon Hound Podcast. And like it still was like, hi, my name's Dan Kaufman. I'm a grade A poon hound. But sometimes I think about my place in the universe.
3: So everything's the same. It's just instead of called My Iconic Jerk. Yeah. It's called the Poon Hound Podcast. You think that's bad marketing, maybe? <laughs> <laughs>
6: you Even
5: have your little iTunes logo, it's like a cartoon dog, like sunglasses. Uh, guys' <laughs> tongue's wagging hey.
3: this week on the Poonown podcast.
5: Being a nothingness, <laughs> it has some like limp biscuit song playing as he talk <laughs> up. <laughs> the other day, I took a woman back to her place. And the next morning, I woke up and noticed a book on a bookshelf. That book changed my life. This month on the Poonown podcast, <laughs> uh, it's author searching for whatever. <laughs> I can never think of the uh, reference. I can never think of the, the reference. Smart. Yeah.
3: <laughs> okay, so it's a little different. There's slight tangential references into <laughs> me getting laid all the time.
5: I just like all the themes grow out of a one night stand or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh... So the other day, I took this woman home. I boned her. Of course, I'm the Poonhound. <laughs> well, anyway, I found out that she was the child of refugees from the country of Georgia. This week on the Poonhound podcast, <laughs> the fall <of> communism. <laughs> All right, my first guest is a Professor of uh, World Affairs, yeah. Gary Sherman.
3: Hey, do you get a lot of those coeds? <laughs> do I ask him that, or do I just ask him about world affairs?
5: Standard first questions. What kind of poon you get, bro? <laughs>
3: Uh, I
1: thought we were here to talk about uh... <laughs>
5: Alright, fine In your book You talk about how uh, The biggest problem In former Soviet countries Is They the yes. ease the terrorists can get a hold of uh, Nuclear materials Right Oh What's that about <laughs> Real quick though If you're a former Soviet-era scientist I mean you're getting a lot of poon, I imagine This has something to do I'm with i sort of understanding the bit now Because the whole point Yeah, is right is that... And he doesn't <laughs> No, he's as... just
3: a pure poonhound With no twist <laughs> No, but he still at least gets guests signed <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> he wants to be. It's like you, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> we're really earning our explicit label on this episode. Uh, <sighs> well, that's something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, right. I think we're done here. Well, Ryan, whatever you want. You make the rules. What? You as the golden face makes the rules, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, You're gorgeous, and nobody likes you,
5: and have a good life. Thanks. I'm going to go have sex. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Enjoy. <laughs> the on,
0: the
3: on, so much for my dreams go. of this show ever getting picked up by NPR. I don't know about you. I feel like a shower. Oh, well, let's close this out with something nice. This is one of my favorite scenes from the TV show Cheers. It was written by Ken Eston. The actors are Alice Beasley and Nicholas Colosanto.
2: I'm sorry, Lisa. You cannot marry this
0: man. Look, Daddy, I'm not dumb. I know Roy's abrasive. I know he's insensitive. And I know he's probably only marrying me so he can get to Pennsylvania territory. Well, why would you want to marry a man like this? Daddy, isn't it obvious to you? Nothing's ever
6: obvious to me.
0: Daddy, don't make me say this. What? Roy is the first man that ever asked me to marry him, and I'm afraid he's going to be the last.
2: Oh, come on, honey. There must have been dozens of young fellas that proposed to you.
0: No, Daddy. Wake up. But you're, so, you're so beautiful, so... Daddy, you have been saying that I'm beautiful ever since I was a very little girl. But look at me. Not as my father, but like you're looking at me for the first time. And please, try to see me as I really am.
2: Oh, my God. I, I didn't realize how much you look like your
0: mother. I know. I look exactly like her. And mom was not comfortable about her beauty. But
2: that's what made her more beautiful. Your mother grew more beautiful every day of her life.
0: She was really beautiful.
6: Yes, and so are you. You're the most beautiful kid in the whole world.
3: What are we? We exist in a physical world, but we experience it from the inside. All our love and anger and worries and wishes, just about everything that makes up our human experience, happens behind our faces. But our experience of everyone else is from outside. One thing I like about this medium is it's a more direct conduit from one soul to another. The word medium means something between two more extreme things. A go-between. With visual media, TV and movies, and in real life, we often bounce off the surface of the other and never get in.
5: It's only with the heart that one can see clearly.
2: What's essential is invisible to the eye.
3: I agree, but it's so hard to ignore what's right in front of you. The face is a medium. The part of us that has so little to do with us is the first thing anyone else sees. And for the most part, the only thing. We're all lonely at times because of this. You can tell people how you feel, but how they feel about that is probably going to depend a lot on how you look.
2: I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character.
3: Will people in a few hundred years look back on our anti-uglyism the same way we look back on racism now? Is it possible we will evolve to the point that today's focus on looks will seem not only primitive, but bizarre? We've noted more than once that women seem better at looking past surface. But why? I just read an interview with Cheryl Kirschenbaum, author of Science of Kissing, in which she says, a woman puts a lot more investment into the sexual decisions she makes because she is fertile for a much shorter period of time each month. And a man can theoretically inseminate countless women throughout his life. The bee is not pretty, the flower is. It's hard to think that loving beauty could be an evil. Sometimes I think the world isn't fair, and some people are lucky and some are unlucky, and that's just how it goes. But then other times I think, even if the universe is random and harsh, what's best about us are all the things we do to allay that. If I feel it's only natural that I'm moved by physical beauty, then why do I love that scene from Cheers so much? Why do I feel like the father in that scene is the kind of man I want to be?
2: Say, up in Harlem, at a table for two There were four of us, me, your big feet, and you From your ankle up, I'll say you sure are sweet. From that down, there's there's too much feet. Yes, your feet's too big. Don't want you because your feet's too
0: big.
2: Can't use you because your feet's too big. I really hate you because your feet's too big.
3: That's our show. You can reach me at mailbox at myclonicjerk.com or on the Facebook page. Hey, Thanks to everyone like who helped you. out with the show. Jesse Case, nice. Sagit Schwartz, actor Nick Vaderot, Susie McCoppin, Melissa like Lefton, Christy Korsak, JC like Coakley, and good old Ryan Ridley. And as always, thank you for listening. Check out the website, myaclonicjerk.com, for more information on the show, including links to all our guests. Get on the mailing list to get updates on future shows, as well as bonus content. We'll see you again soon. Our next episode escape. Happy New Year.
2: Oh, your pedal extremities are colossal. To me, you look just like a fossil. You got me walking, talking, and swapping. Cause your feet too big, yeah. Come on and walk that thing. Oh, I never heard of such walking. Mercy.
3: I think this is unfair, well, thank and you, she'd be lucky to have
4: you. <laughs> but you know what she gets? She gets what she deserves, and that's Blake. Big old Blake. They're probably still together, and good for them. <laughs> that's big of you. One day, they're going to have a beautiful daughter, and I'm going to have a son, <laughs> and that son will be standing at a movie theater. Oh, that poor girl. And their daughter will be scared of him, and then probably your kid
3: is going to go on a date. Really? You think my kid's going to be the six foot five handsome? Uh, well, I'd have to marry a woman who's eight you feet can, tall. Yeah, you can marry an Amazon. <laughs> I have to marry one of those blue chicks from Avatar.